Howdy, everybody. Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you into episode 64 of Justified Pursuit. It's great to be here with you. As always, riding shotgun, my good friend, my partner in crime, the good counselor, Chisholm Cook. How are you doing today? I'm great, man. Busy. Yeah. Uh, very, very busy. I uh, had a big weekend. Maybe we can talk about it for a minute if you want to. Mm-hmm. That, uh, that uh, Omi Roni doesn't look like it did you in. <laughs> the Decepticon uh-huh. received the whole What were you sick for nation? 12 hours? I mean, if you can even call what I was sick, y'all heard me. I was yeah. like kind of kind of a little tired and foggy headed at the beginning of last week's call. Was it last week? Yeah, it was so, last right? week. Last Tuesday? Yeah. Last week. And then by the end of the call, I mean, listening back and doing the show notes, by the end of the call, Stop I was... Stop calling it the calls. Call it the show. The show, by the end of the episode, excuse me. I, <laughs> Thank you. I was, uh, I was rocking and rolling. And literally did feel better, and then I was over it. Literally. So just guess what? Justified pursuit, pursuit cured my Omicron, uh, just like it's tr- trying to cure, uh, quote, disinformation and misinformation uh, all across the globe. How are you? Oh, I'm great. I'm great. We did it twice yesterday. I told you that already, but uh, yeah. How could you not be smiling? And I think that it might happen again today. So the wife is taking care of me and and I'm happy about that. Uh, Everyone cares (sighs) because everyone should strive to do it as much as possible. You know, because one of my good friends told me at his age, two things you don't do. And he's 50. You don't trust a fart and you don't waste an erection words to live by every time we gain a listener we and you bring this sort of thing up we lose one so you're probably have the same you're so so stupid we talk about it all the time off the air people fortunately my aunt and uncle i know bailed on account of our f-bombs and (laughs) but we're not saying the f-word anymore so we're trying i I need to invite them back but i'll wait till episode 65 or whichever one's after this one All right, so how was your weekend? Uh, it was good. I went hunting with some buddies uh, down in deep south Texas for Neil Guy slash other. Uh, the I same bag- place we go turkey hunting, basically, right? Raymondville. Sure, fence line, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's... We go turkey hunting on the Eturia Ranch, and we were on the H Eturia Ranch. The Eturia Ranch is this, like, legendary... Uh, South Texas, you know, cattle ranch established in 1858. It broke yeah. off from the King, I believe. Right. Um, I don't. So I did look at the history. Right. Frank Uturia right. senior was at one point in time, the largest actual Mexican landowner in Texas, the way he built that Uturia. And he made his money with, I forget the, what is the original King ranch guy? What is it? I forget his name. Um, it was a, it was a Colonel, right. Or captain. Yeah, but I forget his first name. But anyway, first name they started the first bank in that area. Oh, okay. So they were partners on a bank, not on a ranch. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Partners yeah, on a bank, was, yeah. and then that's how yeah. that's how he started to make his money. The King Ranch guy already had; he was already uh, extremely wealthy from, right. from cattle. But uh, but yeah, it's a awesome place. It is an awesome place. Uh, yeah, and so over the years that it's divided into three ranches. There's three. Um, you know, families all with their lineage to Frank Sr. Uh, that own it today. Two who are Eturias. One of them, I guess the one we hunt is a, a descendant. Right? He's Frank the third. 
Maybe fourth. I don't, uh, I don't know. Lots of Frank. Frankie Turia. Um, and there's another Turia family that owns the other one. The H Turia, which we were on, uh, passed down to uh, a lady in the family who then married into, oh, man, what they say their name was? They have a Anglo last name that starts with a B, Bishop or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, same terrain, same country, same creditors. Um, not as many as we usually see on uh the original eteria yeah it's uh it's hunted you know more i would say you know more reasonably the the part we hunt for turkeys what it lindo's only allowed like what a dozen neil guy bulls and that's pretty no, much no, no, 40 or 50 he shoots quite a oh, few. oh 40 or 50 okay yeah. well still driving around that place we've seen ridiculous number of animals just always all over the place and yeah. this place there's animals always all over the place it's so weird because the whitetail just walk around all day yeah they're not like, afraid of people down there. all day long you're seeing whitetails um but definitely not the same density on the neil guy so it's a little bit tougher hunt than maybe i was heading in my mind um let's talk about like, so just to yeah. describe how how uh dense the vegetation is there one of the coolest parts about the uteria that we turkey hunt is the ocelot preserve that they have there yeah. and inside the property there's a little subsection well i say little it's hundreds of acres but it's fenced off and you're we're not allowed to go in there and it says you know there's signs ocelot preserve and i don't know if it's the u.s fish and Wild, wildlife service i think it is i don't think it's texas parks and wildlife but they go in there and they actually trap and collar it's one of like the few remaining ocelot populations in texas so that's yeah. always cool to think about. Like, wow, there's something that lives there that exists nowhere else in Texas. Essentially. Yeah, it is really cool. Cool yeah. little critter. Uh, apparently, there's a preserve on the one I was on, too. Awesome. That's what they told us at the gate. So I guess yeah. there's a few of those preserves that are that's cool. all part of that, you know, clan's holdings. Um, Turkey were everywhere. They were gobbling already. Oh, we pulled yeah. up. We were driving down a road, and there was a flock of them, and I gave out a... And it fired right back and then the guy to hit the gas a little bit to you know just keep driving and the just the engine kind of revving up and got him shot gobble again so i got a little i was more excited about that than the neil guy and orcs and all that stuff so yeah so did you turkey shoot season, anything turkey season, turkey season. i did i shot a <laughs> scimitar horned orcs which is uh if da- endangered if not extinct in its native homeland of northern africa yeah, my mom was telling me when she went to Jerusalem years ago, she saw she saw uh, herds of orcs wandering through uh, the you know the, the deserts uh, around. Uh, yeah, as she was touring holy sites, so they're, they're not extinct yeah. from their native well, range. But I know there's more of them in Texas than yeah. anywhere else in the world combined, right? Like ninety percent, I think, yeah. of the world's population exists on Texas ranches. Um, yeah, they well, certainly well, have so, plenty of them. I can't wait to cook up the tenderloin. What do you think it weighs? Four hundred. Pounds or I wish we would have weighed it, but easily 400. Yeah, he was a yeah. mature bull. Um, nice. good mature bull, 38 and a half inch horns. Um, so much bigger once you strung them up than they look on the hoof. They mm-hmm. look like squatty. Um, they, they just don't look very big, they're not super tall. Oh, they were very, though. yeah, round kind of looking. But when they hung them up, I was shocked at how big around his chest was. Yeah, like his chest looked like a Neil guy chest once you hung them up. Uh, you know, adolescent Neil guy or something, but. You said uh, it was really tough. So does that imply that you had to shoot yeah. it multiple times? Yeah, he took three 300 Winchester short max. Nice. <laughs> yeah. First one. So he was standing in some grass. Um, and, you know, on any of that African game, you know, you got to shoot him like lower third, 
in the shoulder, like straight up from the leg. Mm-hmm. Right. Like their heart and lungs, like a pig or something is just tucked way into the chest and down. Yeah. And they have those humps on their backs again, kind of like a pig. So like even their spine, their spine kind of cuts almost through the middle of the shoulder, maybe just the top half Unlike a deer running like across the top of the shoulder. They have that, you know, that hump on the shoulder that, you know, you get too high and you're like above the spine anyway. Um, because the grass like stopped right where I really should have put my bullet and it, we got in nice and close. It was like a 70 yard shot and I was sighted in for like 125. Um, I just, you ever had a shot where something I've had all the shots, <laughs> you know, how, like when there's a, say there's a tree and the vitals are right where you, you know, the vitals are clear, but the edge of the vitals are at the tree or, yeah. you know, some kind of something blocking. Right. And, I always find that that pushes me like I can't get close enough to it like mentally. Like I'm telling myself, take it down a little bit, take it down a little bit. But anyway, first shot dropped him. And it was funny because like all week long, I was telling myself, make sure to reload, reload, reload. You know, whether I shot a, a oryx or a nail guy, a cow, which is what I was hunting. And uh, I didn't because he dropped. And so the guy's like, reload, reload, reload. So, you know, bolted another round. And sure enough, tough son of a bitch jumps up and uh starts to trot off so he's like keep shooting so i fired another one off i thought i missed with the second one it turned out i did clip him high in the neck mm. um not uh not didn't hit the spine didn't knock him down so then he was running away from me and i squeezed off one more and that was a uh nice hind quarter uh blast that dropped him again and uh 380 that the guide was carrying uh in the armpit finished the finished the deal yeah. but yeah so three Tough. 180 grain, 300 short mag bullets. They, I mean, like the pH is in Africa. Same thing. Don't stop shooting until it's down or you run yeah. out of bullets. Yeah. Uh, and magnify that times 10 with a Cape Buffalo. That was pretty intense. Yeah. But um, I was kind of well, bummed I, because I thought I missed with the second shot. Uh-huh. And, and then when I, when the third shot went off, I was like, ah, damn it. I hit in the ass, but it's down. Right. <laughs> and they were like, no, wow, who cares? It's down. It's down. But I, I'm a meat hunter. Right. So yeah. behind quarter shot is far from ideal for me. And, um, then when we took a look at him and we saw that second bullet kind of high in his neck, I thought that one had spined him and dropped him. And then once we cleaned him, we were like, Oh no, it did turn out. I hit him. I mean, this hind quarter is so big, it's going to be fine, but yeah, uh, a lot of meat. Um, but yeah, that first shot was probably like dead center shoulder, dead center shoulder ended up barely getting into his rib cage, like maybe two or three inches from the spine and kind of grazing the spine, but didn't actually hit the spinal cord mm. and then exited. So like going back to that sort of hump shape of these big antelopes, I mean, it was dead in the middle of the shoulder. And yet when you looked in the rib cage, I almost missed the rib cage. It's really yeah. weird. Like huh. that shot with a, bu- with a buck would have been dead in the middle of his, you know, rib cage. Right. So, right. Got to know well, I know a lot of our listeners don't care about hunting. Hopefully they are intrigued by it and enjoy hearing anybody complain about it. I, yeah, but I think they're listening for other reasons. Um, we'll get to that. Uh, I am jealous, though, because Oryx is delicious. And I, I shot one like five or six years ago. And so I've long been out of that meat, but some of the best table fare anywhere. Yeah, I don't You're know if I've ever treat. eaten it, but I'm super stoked about it for sure. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think I have. If I have, I had like some sausage somebody had one time, which it's great. But, you know, I want to see what the meat really tastes like by itself. So. Very much looking forward to that. Uh, and then the mount, he was a really, really beautiful, 
you know, specimen. So he's going to, yeah, I saw the picture. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know what a scimitar horned oryx is, look it up. Stunning animals. Cool. And I think probably that's just the fact that they're white and orange might be why they went extinct. They're so easy to see. And oh, those things live in the desert, but still the orange just sticks out like a freaking clown. The white down there sticks out. I mean, like it, like, yeah. I think it's the easiest animal to spot that you, that you could hunt. No doubt about it. Yeah. Those Neil guy. And those Neil guy could get three feet into the mesquite and just vanish. Right. You know, I mean, you could see them, but, it, you know, their their form just disappeared with all the kind of mottled blue, gray, brown and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, they do Not have those so white, big white patches. 400 pound white animal with an orange clown face. There. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here, out. look what I got, Chisholm. I got these from the government today. Awesome. These are my free COVID tests. They're either rigged to test negative because they have to move on from COVID or they're rigged to test positive to keep us locked in our houses forever. Either So way, these right. are made by uh, iHealth Labs, and that's a Chinese-owned uh, company. No so way. the freaking Chinese unleash this virus on the world, and then they make a bajillion dollars selling us COVID tests to test for the virus that they gave us. If George Soros and Bill Gates don't have at least a piece of that, I would be shocked. No, they do. So the company that they bought is called MoLogic. And they right. also, yeah, they also are making, the, the government's buying tests from them too. So, okay, so that's not the so, only ones that the government, no, no, right. Multiple no, companies. Yeah. This, so you, this you company just got three that. of the $5 billion that we just spent on these uh, unsolicited COVID tests that just show up at your freaking door. That's what Who they spent, for $5 that? Billion on that $1 billion order. So let, let, let's recap billion. all that. I put on our Instagram last week, and I think we've mentioned it before, but in August of last year, uh, Forbes magazine publishes an article that says that George Soros, and if anybody's not familiar with George Soros, look him up before you look up Scimitar Horn. Satan. Bill Gates' son of Satan. Pretty much. Check out some of the things he said about the Nazis, which he was a Jew in Germany during World War II, and yet somehow, what's that? We we figured it out the other day. What's that? um, Stockholm syndrome, right? Where you, where, yeah. where 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 yeah, captor, captives are begin to like empathize with their captors. Yeah, yeah. He kind of like respects the Nazi regime for its orderliness. He yet, despite being into orderliness, he's the one funding all the district attorneys across the nation that are, uh, you know, running for election and getting elected, uh, and then you know decriminalizing theft and letting murderers out and you know all that terrible crap that's george soros right but then then he takes it a step further so he runs a pretty liberal candidate and then when they win the next go around he runs a more far left left candidate right against them he's continuously deliberately pushing the law the prosecution of the law in this country as left as he can uh bad bad man bad man he and bill gates um I mean, if Soros is Satan, Bill Gates is spawn of Satan. Yeah, something like that. Uh, he and Bill Gates invested in, what'd you call it? Uh, MoLogic. MoLogic, a British-based yeah. test manufacturer, rapid test manufacturer, very specifically. They put $41 million bucks into it. Sounds like a big investment, right? Right. As of January 19th, prior to January 19th, this administration of ours, Biden et al., had already spent... I think it was $16 billion on rapid tests last fall for like jails and schools and all this stuff. 
Um, to your point, there's no doubt that, uh, but let, let's just say they caught 10% of that 16 billion. That means they got $1.6 billion for that manufacturer. That's a, and then, ro- that's a good ROI. And then January 19th, they bought another billion, another billion tests of which you're all now holding two. Half a billion have already been delivered and have no, been no, shipped. I, I got four. There's two in each box. Oh, four. Okay, how, awesome. how lucky are mine? So did you say they've spent, that was a $5 billion order? Yeah. Yeah. So they spent another $5 billion. Again, let's assume Soros and Gates only got 10% of that. Now they're at That's just on the million. ones they're mailing out to the public. They also spent infinitely more on uh, tests for schools. Like, right. And, uh, and it was like for government billions. offices and et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Right. So I think you can pretty easily and conservatively assume that Gates and Soros's $41 million investment, which they claim basically is an act of charity. That's the beautiful <laughs> thing about Gates, right? He's like, oh, the Gates Foundation is doing all this amazing work, but we all know what these foundations do, yeah. right? These found His foundation in particular owns patents and testing companies and this and that. And they, look at, um, they view Africa as the uh, playground for any new test or... Yep. A vaccine that they come up with they sure do check out our show no notes. one will ever it's know about this when we stick this in a five-year-old kid's arm in sudan yep the other right. times has an awesome article about this from like 2009 anyway yeah. i would say you can pretty conservatively estimate they've turned their 41 million dollar investment into at least two billion dollars in revenue i bet they get half of that i bet they own part of that chinese manufacturer potentially um I bet they own a piece of every testing company in America. That was the only one that was reported on. Let's just say they've made Dude, a windfall. They own everything. Bill Gates is the largest farm land the owner in America. Yeah, he's also the largest contributor other than Pfizer to uh, media ad revenue. You brought up Pfizer. I've got that on the show notes here. Uh, Pfizer this week asked the FDA to approve the vaccine for kids under the age of five. So it's been approved Speaking for of evil. five to 11-year-olds. Now we're going to go a little bit younger. Under Meanwhile. Why is that important, Chisholm? We talked about it uh, briefly, and it was uh, in the, uh, the real Anthony Fauci. Kennedy was explaining how that once it's approved for everyone, meaning kids under five, that takes all the liability away from the pharmaceutical companies manufacturing the vaccines meaning we can't sue you even though you killed us meanwhile our friends in europe are shutting down vaccination vaccination requirements for kids because of yes. oh myocarditis and pericarditis sweden finland denmark there was one other one that i saw uh, uh sweden finland denmark and norway maybe norway yeah, yeah. norway a bunch of dummies up there in scandinavia they're really known for not being very bright not being very educated and not the having a government that, eat it and not being <laughs> full-blown socialist. Yeah, no. It, let me recap that real quick. I think I put this on our Instagram too. So in October of last year, they a study was conducted. They called it the Nordic study. So I guess they must have been studying kids from all across those, at least those four countries. Those right? dumb Vikings. Yeah. A Nordic study demonstrated that specifically the Moderna vaccines carried the highest risk of myocarditis and pericarditis in kids, boys in particular, as we all know, from I think the ages of like 12 to 25. And so they paused, just paused, distribution of Moderna vaccines to kids. 
The study indicated that the second vaccine that you get with Moderna was the highest risk of that happening, et cetera. Um, so they paused it. And then uh, you can find a Reuters article about it. You cannot find a single American-based news article about it that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, what you find, even with Reuters, is a whole bunch of like, yeah, but, 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 hey, but, 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 no, hey, psh, don't worry, but, but, right? It's, uh-huh. uh, it's th- this study that caused this pause. It's not even peer-reviewed yet, which means you can't even find it yet, right? Uh, at least I wasn't able to drag it down. Um, don't sweat it. Pfizer is really super safe and Moderna is not that bad. And, you know, you can still catch myo, you can still get myocarditis from the, from the virus. There's this guy. Named My wife Dr. has fainted twice since having Moderna. And we've talked about the joint pain that she's had, uh, fainted twice and then had to wear a heart monitor for two weeks for 24 seven for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not just kids, right? No, it's not. Well, she's, she's yeah. dude. I mean, my wife voted for Trump. She's never, like I've told you, she never admits it because she doesn't want me to, she doesn't want to admit that I'm right. Dude, when I showed her these tests and told her where they were manufactured, she was just like, good Lord, it never ends, man. Just, she's nope. 100% on board now. Yep. If there was ever an inkling of doubt about, like, if she's, if she's a conservative for, for life, like, it's gone now, dude. What's happened since Biden's been put in office has, I think, a lot of people that were just like, well, Trump sucks, but, you know, I, I can't vote Democrat. I think all those people are like, wow, Trump didn't really suck at all. And these people, this is a dumpster fire. There's, there's, they were talking about leading up to the uh, midterms. I saw this, this uh, headline. They're going to focus on Biden's achievements. Like, talk about the good things he's done. And I'm so, I'm, I'm like looking around, like, where, where's the good, the, the, the one good what has he done what are they going to focus on he gave everybody fourteen hundred dollars and then he drove inflation to ten percent so what the f and do oh no so uh, let me let me finish the sweden point right so 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 for four months moderna by itself was paused i was listening to a a, a great podcast i think i mentioned it the other day but dr peter atia who i learned about through rogan he's like a longevity doctor in austin uh originally canadian had a panel on to talk about the Malone and McCullough interviews and kind of, you know, point counterpoint. And uh, they had a range of different views. This one doctor who took some issue with some of the claims both McCullough and Malone had made when they brought this study up, which was the first I heard of it. That guy who was like pro vaccine, but not pro mandate did say that study indicates that at least with Moderna, again, not fully published yet because it's still under peer review that Moderna did carry a higher risk of myocarditis than the virus carries for kids in that age range. That makes sense as to why they would have paused it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, fast forward to last week, and Sweden formally stopped suggesting, recommending, however you want to say it, mandating for sure, vaccines in all children under the age of 18 because they are not at, I think the quote was something to the effect of, uh, there just isn't a justification for it because the risks from vi- the virus are just not significant enough. That's the way Reuters spun it. My guess is somebody within Scandinavia said the risks from the vaccine outweigh the risks from the virus. But the way Reuters said it was the risks from the virus are not great enough to require vaccination of children. Either way, n- they didn't just pull Moderna. They're not giving any gene therapy shots to kids in Sweden anymore. And I'm sure that those other three Scandinavian countries We'll be following short, short, short. 
following mm. suit shortly. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, we're approving Pfizer mRNA editing for kids under five. Trying to. Trying to. To, America. to absolve them from all uh, potential lawsuits in the future. And at the same time, California is trying to make sure that all kids are vaccinated to go to school. And their freaking governor is, I forget what sporting event he was at. It might have been football. It might have been the NFC title game. Yeah. yeah. And he was seen maskless, high fiving Magic Johnson in a box suite with a bunch of other people, violating his own. The mayor of San Francisco, the mayor of LA. Rule. Yeah. None of them had masks. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. But in, and I'm looking at this video and I posted it on our Instagram a couple weeks ago of these teenage girls that are being held outside of their school. They're high school kids, 14 and 15 years old, being uh, constrained and not allowed to enter the school because they're not vaccinated, like treated, treated like they're wearing a scarlet letter, 14, 15 years old. Unbelievable. For not taking um, the shot that doesn't prevent the spread. No, it prevents the spread and it prevents you from getting COVID. Ask Justin Trudeau. I don't. The guy who's already double vaxxed and boosted and is hiding from truckers claiming he's got COVID right now. Yeah, he's got COVID and the truckers don't. Meanwhile, it's uh, God bless these truckers. I've, I've told you that I was trying to get one on. The guy that I was talking with um, said that they're on a, like a, a gag order right now. He said it might change. They, they have meetings and updates like Zoom calls daily. I guess he's. Like, one of the leaders or at least part of that community uh gag orders by the trucker group like they yeah, just saying we're not talking to, to an extent yeah we're not talking to right the media on. good right they now. shouldn't i don't think i think this is perfect yeah drive into town and sit there and don't move and shut up yeah so god Say, bless we're them. just gonna sit here until y'all come to your friggin' senses and love it trudeau leaves with covid and our president builds a wall around the white house so we haven't even talked about that like they're building a wall, a cement wall around the White House. Why are they doing that? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, they had built a wall around the Capitol that lasted from January. I think they built that thing before. No, I guess it would have had to been after. They had fencing up before January 6th, but that stuff lasted for like six or seven, eight months. Yeah. And there is, uh, <sighs> there are rumors circulating that there will be an American convoy of truckers that will start in California and end up at the White House. And I was reading an article today about how the Biden administration is trying desperately to prevent that from happening. What I think will happen, because if it does happen, and it sounds like it will, is there will be some unexpected, violent um, outcome. Somebody's going to do something stupid, and it won't be a conservative that does it. They're all protesting peacefully. Their messaging has been, from the video clips I've seen, of American truckers saying, yes, we're planning on doing this is that nobody do anything stupid, you know, and, they, and they're not going to anyway. They're conservatives. They're, they're not, you know, it's going to be some something is going to it's going to be staged. And I guarantee yeah, you it will happen. Don't worry. The FBI, will, the FBI will take care of the chaos and carnage for them. Yeah. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Roll on, boys. Yep. God bless the truckers. Uh, you mentioned earlier Soros and his. uh time in nazi germany let's talk about that chisholm because uh this was the latest from the view and whoopi goldberg who actually looks like she ate uh whoopi goldberg uh, maybe at least a salad once in a while but here you go whoopi goldberg her spin on 
the Holocaust. The Holocaust isn't about race. No, it's well, not about race. It's about man's inhumanity to man. That got her suspended for two weeks, by the way, from The View. Clearly, she's out of touch with reality. It was about race. The Germans hated the Jews, looked at them as an inferior race of people and tried to eradicate them from the face of God's green earth. Yeah, well, you know, she's a black lady, so she gets to tell us what racism is and nobody else gets to have an opinion. Well, apparently she went a little too far because they suspended her for two weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Two weeks. Anybody else would have been canceled forever. over Right. It, but yeah. Whatever. That's all I got. Yeah, I mean, she's a moron. <laughs> I, I, dude, uh, <laughs> that show is... Those are the... You know, I, I thought about this yesterday. I was listening to uh, Louder with Crowder, those goofballs. Uh, love you guys. Not that you're listening, but uh, and they were playing. Um, oh, what's his name? The British guy with the late night show from the Daily Show. I don't know. R- real annoying British lefty who likes to go on and tell everybody what they're supposed to think and how they're supposed to live. And I, I don't know. My assumption is his ratings probably suck as bad or worse than I think he's even on HBO, which obviously means he's. Um, his ratings suck worse than ours that's saying something dude we're building something here (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah someday we're gonna get back on spotify just fyi i'm working on that broken promises really i'm not working continue yeah anyway you know i'm listening to them play clips of his and and breaking it all down i'm like does this really even matter does anybody listen to this guy you know Mm. i i just and you know sadly women listen to the view they watch that show a lot, though. Like, what are they? Let's see. Let's see if we can look this up. Average viewership for the view. If this show ever gains real traction, we'll have a minion that looks this stuff up for us. We'll just be like, "Hey, Jobin, look that stat up." Two point nine million. Two point eight six. You didn't get the Jobin win. reference, Chisholm. That's disappointing. What is Joe? I don't get the. Joe I love reference. you, man. The movie Paul Rudd. No. I think I've seen that one time, man. Slap of the bass. All right. I I, I know the. I do remember the slap in the bass part. You got it, Jobin. What? Uh, Nothing. Oh, what'd you say? I don't know. You called. You nicknamed me Pistol, and I just called you Jobin. Means nothing. I don't. I'm drunk. (laughs) Underrated movie for sure. Uh, Anyway, the view ratings, Jobin. Yeah. So these are old. Um, Let's see. I think Whoopi still smokes, and she looks like that, too. <laughs> she certainly sounds like she still smokes. Yeah. Looks like they're somewhere around 2.4 million. 2.4 like million summer. housewives. Watch that, Phil. That's still yeah. that's two, about 2.4 million too many. Apparently a whole bunch. A half a, they lost a half a million when they let go of uh, Meghan McCain. So, yeah, meh. Yeah, meh. Whatever. All right. Um, what about? Here's another sound clip for you. This is a gold one. You're gonna have fun with this. Uh, this is Dr. Stephen Kirshner, professor from University of New York at Fredonia. And take a listen. And this is just 30 seconds out of a much longer conversation that just proliferated this filth and this mindset we've talked about the uh no i'm not even going to tease that because i'm just gonna let you listen to it here you go in that an adult 
male uh, wants to have sex with a 12-year-old girl, imagine that she's a willing participant. A, a very standard, very widely held view that there's something deeply wrong about this, and it's wrong independent of it being criminalized. It's not obvious to me that is, in fact, wrong. I think this is a mistake, and I think that exploring why it's a mistake will tell us not only things about adult-child sex and statutory rape, but also about fundamental principles of morality. So there you go. And we've talked about it, Chisholm. The, the, the new thing is the normaliz- uh, normalization of pedophilia. And here is another member of the higher education system proliferating that lie. So it's, not, it's, a sick, it's mentally it's disturbing on every level. Yeah. But we're seeing it more and more. <clears throat> so I have a word of caution on it. You know, we seem to have maybe been duped by the kitty litter scam a couple of weeks ago. Uh, when you listen to that lady's quote, she said she had heard that maybe a kid had put a kitty litter box in a bathroom in the school district, went very public saying, this is nonsense. This isn't happening, blah, blah, blah. Um, if you watch that clip, which is all over Instagram on conservative outlets at the moment, it's kind of edited. Like you can see it jump cut, right? This clip that I just played. Yes, but yeah. I've watched I've watched four minutes of it continuous. The dude's a sick with no edit. So he's I, definitely I watched, saying it's a Zoom call it, and I'm watching the other guy that they're, they're talking together. Yeah, dude, it's uh, what's the other guy's reaction to this? He's he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he also talked to he <laughs> he also said and I didn't play this part. Uh, he said it's apparent in, in some other cultures and he didn't even say what other culture it was that grandmothers will fillet a one-year-old boy to calm them down and it works and it's accepted he goes on to say what should be the age is that i don't know what the, the median age for consensual should be was it eight years old i don't know but these women or young girls are at a reproductive age where they can reproduce so why is society constraining them also talks about that it may not be like have a negative mental impact on Adolescent boys that have sex with adolescent with uh, adult males. So basically, ancient Greek is like that that society of boys screwing older men. But don't worry about it because that won't screw them up mentally for the rest of their life. The dude, the dude, you should watch the whole thing. It whether that clip is edited or it taken out of context in any way, shape, or form. No, I got. I it. I'm glad. Know. I'm glad you had seen more of it. I, I just yeah. I I noticed it being edited. Not that it's I was. Ta- it was pretty clear. He said something. To the effect that we shouldn't automatically assume this is I should wrong. have just played the whole three minutes that I watched. It's disturbing. Yeah. So I mentioned this last week, and I, I haven't sent you some of these podcasts to listen to yet, but the guy James Lindsay, who was one of the people who did the hoax uh, scholarly articles for the for the uh, uh, these, these dumb social studies journals, uh, grievance studies journals, uh, he he has this um, podcast where it's some high-minded, you know, intellectual, philosophical stuff. He's a you know got a PhD, and he uses all the same big words that they try to pretend to use. Uh, so you got it's a grind. But he explains going from uh, he, he reads a lot of what he does is actually just read the words of uh, a guy named P, uh, Pablo pa- Paulo Frieri, a South American. Uh, I think Argentinian in particular, uh, you know, philosophical descendant of Karl Marx. Mm. Uh, I mean, like, you know, he, he's a South American socialist, right? Right. Professor. 
who is espousing a political philosophy, leftist political philosophy. That has worked everywhere uh, it's been tried. Yeah, a guy named Herbert Marcuse, who is widely regarded as sort of the godfather of modern day postmodernism and more, maybe more directly, which the two are related, but critical theory, which includes critical race theory, right? Mm. Uh, and then the guys who I've talked about on this show in the past, uh, these French Marxist intellectuals that brought us really into quote, quote postmodernism, uh, Derrida and Foucault, all the way through to uh, Derek Bell, the Harvard professor, he and a couple of others that are sort of, uh, you know, lauded as the people who started critical race theory. All of this is like an intellectual movement that has built since the, since the original, the OG of Marx, right? And, and you know, Marx's was all based on economics, right? And then when economics proved unsuccessful throughout much of the West in swaying people towards a revolution, then you started having all of this building on of let's make it about gender and class and da da da, right? And so he's the one that explains, if you look at what the left is doing in this country right now and you think, my God, this doesn't make sense seems like all it's doing is sowing chaos and confusing the hell out of people and pitting one part, one group against another. Mm -hmm. uh, you're right. And that's their plan as they say it themselves. All those people I just named have written things about, say, for example, very specifically, the need to end the idea of childhood innocence by exposing them to sexually explicit material and encouraging them to engage in sexual conduct, grooming our kids very deliberately into sex, into gender ideology, into sexual exploration, into LGBTQ exploration, uh, putting, as we know, parents all over the country are finding, you know, these sexually graphic books in libraries showing a 14-year-old boy blowing a 25-year-old man, right? All of, none of that is by accident. It's all the teachings of Freire, Marcusa at all, because one of the many ways that Western white supremacy uh, rears its head is through the concept of childhood innocence. Poor oppressed people, marginalized people, their kids don't get to experience childhood innocence because of the conditions in which they're raised. Maybe they grew up on the streets or in some kind of slum and they're exposed to violence and sexual predation. And so it's only the oppressors who get to raise their kids in an innocent environment. And so the only way to achieve true equity among these disparate classes of people is to eliminate childhood innocence altogether at the earliest ages possible. So, so let me get this straight. Some, this is in their words, dude. He reads right, you right, their right, words. Right. This is not his summary. He's, yeah. he's reading that to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm just going to be sarcastic here, but say like, so rich people aren't sometimes mentally ill and don't abuse their kids and aren't alcoholics. And, uh, like, I guess Dude, obviously wealthy, it's complete under what, it's complete. So I guess, isn't, is. isn't there a drug epidemic, um, like in, uh, middle-class suburbia of Dude, I think, white I think... kids doing Plano, Texas in the, in the early two, not late nineties, early two thousands had the, had the biggest heroin epidemic in yep. the United States among minors. Uh, you know, I think even more importantly, we have made the argument here many times that Marxism, socialism, communism 
is not about bringing people up to a higher standard. It's about bringing everyone down to a common denominator. Yeah. And this is a perfect example. Yes. Groom kids to, you know, accept being touched by anybody and to enjoy it possibly, I guess, as young as possible so that this concept of concept of uh, child you know innocence what, you know what else that would destroy is like the idea of the nuclear family like if you're no way if you're you ready to tee that one up sexually as a kid your perception of a normal relationship is marred for the rest of your life like minor attracted person you might not be able to ever have a traditional heterosexual relationship ever again you're you're mentally you're screwed now there are people that recover from that of course god bless them but i mean that that leads to in some cases definitely a path of sexual deviance and it's and and those well the highest the highest innocence taken away as a child it's not your fault that's the main the main thing the highest likelihood of someone assaulting uh Sexually assaulting, particularly a child, is among those who had had that happen to them. To your point, right? So, this, yeah. They normalize it. It's what they know. Yeah, so, dude. Yeah, but yes, no, but they're undermining but, families. They're undermining children very specifically, because Mao showed us and taught us to have a revolution. The key is to break an entire generation of kids away from their families by confusing the ever lover loving hell out of them. Perhaps more importantly. <clears throat> We seem to have developed two kind of primary schools of Marxism in modern day context. The Ibram X. Kendi hardcore critical race, anti-racist version is much more like what uh, like Stalin and Lenin achieved in, in the USSR, which was to just turn the power hierarchy over, right? To take the quote proletariat and have a revol- you know, drive a revolution by you know, instigating it with the proletariat, the working class, and then have a, in his words, Marx's words, a dictatorship of the proletariat for 30 years until you've brainwashed all of society to accept socialism and con- conformed everybody to something called the, quote, socialist man ideal. <clears throat> but what they learned, uh, they, these academic douchebags, have learned since, uh, you know, the experiments of the, the 2030, 1920, range through the seventies, almost 1980s is that, Oh yeah. All that did was create this upside down oppression hierarchy that m- didn't make things better, kind of made them worse. And so um, we need a better approach. So, so Ibram X. Kendi says the cure for past discrimination is present discrimination and the cure for present discrimination is future discrimination. Cause he's all about a vengeance ideology of just letting white people have their turn as the slaves. Um, but the guys I just named a little while ago, the Ferreris and Marcuses and uh, Kimberly Crenshaw and all these other people, they realize, no, the optimum state of society is an ever, I mean, literally, again, in their words, is a never-ending state of revolutionary chaos. Because if you can maintain a never-ending state of revolutionary chaos, then you never have anybody in power who can oppress somebody else. So to that end... Wow, that sounds like a great existence. Right. So to that end, like the term queer, right, which is this all-encompassing for everybody in LGBTQ, which stands for queer, um, it's defined as an identity without an essence. Can you say queer in 2022? 
it's a badge of honor among the LGBTQ crowd. Yeah. Okay. I didn't can't, know. Yeah. You but, can't say faggot anymore. Like what we, the, used to when we were in high school. Not supposed to. Yeah. What they want is people to be so amorphous and sort of free floating and confused that they never feel secure. They, like, for example, they specifically state that the last 20 plus years of sort of acceptance of gays in American society up to and including, you know, the, uh, I think the Obergefell decision is the Supreme Court decision that allowed them to get married. Mm-hmm. That's actually bad. Because once somebody feels empowered and accepted in our society, they're out of the ranks. They're no longer revolutionary. Yeah. Right. So like, you know, when you have a history of slavery against black people in this country, and then 150 years later, roughly, a black man becomes elected president. Um, that might have actually caused some unity among races in this country and, and given a lot of people hope, right? And, and in fact, open polling, open change, hope polling in 2008 showed that it kind of, it, it, it certainly did from 2000 to 2008. People thought we were all getting along pretty well, including blacks. Uh, but then that very president went on a, a war, a, a, a postmodernist critical race theory, Marxist war, uh, Chisholm voted for that president the first on time. On society. Okay. The but ultimate. You're the, articulating you're the, now how wrong You're the epitome of the <sighs> red pill. You know what Christians aren't supposed to do? Cancel people for mistakes they made 13 years ago. I'm not canceling. I'm hosting a podcast with you. I'm not canceling you. I love you for it. I just had to throw that out anyway, there. I'm sorry. The guy who brought the hope and change. Yeah, had the see, there's the point. The, the, the hope and change. You ate it up. And so did a lot of people our age at the time. And who brought the opportunity to truly unite this country there at was a, a time point. when racial division was at the best. It was the least it's ever been. Best it's mm-hmm. ever been. We had the most unified country we've ever had. A lot By of the end of his eight years, 9/11, right? demonizing presidents. I mean, uh, po- police um, calling you know, white folks in Pennsylvania, you know, clinger, you know, uh, people clinging to their guns and religion and then Clinton coming later and calling them deplorables and, you know, racist and like, oh, and then, and then brainwashing through critical race theory being taught in schools, kids to believe that they have no hope in America, despite the fact that we had a black president, just what would it be? 13 years ago. No, no, no hope in yeah. America. Look at the southern border and see if they think that there's hope here. Right. Hmm. Um, and then teaching white kids they're the devil because maybe their great great grandparents had slaves. Um, that's what we got. Instead of unification, we got a deliberate undermining of blacks by continuing a victimhood mentality, bludgeoning the country with talk of slavery and the need for reparations and the need for a an anti-lynching bill even though lynching is clearly a crime already um and now we have the worst race race relations we've had since 1964 um because obama himself and all of his milieu are themselves postmodernist style critical theory style marxist revolutionaries 
who realize if you give the black people true hope and the brown people true hope, to your point, the reason they want to come here is because it's not that bad here. Right. They being, I guess, the brown minorities to the south of us. Uh, and that's bad because guess what happens when they come here and they do well is they start to vote like they did in Texas and Florida a year ago for Republicans because they don't want revolutionary change anymore. So, so chaos and you can maintain a state of revolutionary change in perpetuity, which basically means people at war with each other um, at the moment, just verbally and online. Hopefully it stays that way uh, instead of having a, a new oppression hierarchy. But some of the Marxists want just a new oppression hierarchy. See Ibram X. Candy. Right. <sighs> <laughs> well done well done was it bravo i felt yeah. like i was really all over the road no i i mean i tried to derail you a couple times but you, you yeah you, you stayed on the path what else is new um i think we need to do a whole podcast on what's going on on the border and these secret flights of people just illegal immigrants just showing up in pennsylvania and just being released like at small airports under the cover of darkness uh that's all i'm going to say about that because it's it needs to be like it's whole i don't even have it in the notes today i don't want to go there but uh, we, it's definitely worth hitting on. Um, you mentioned in what you were just saying, constant state of uh, revolutionary chaos, that a big part of that is the kids. And I'm going to play this, and, and it is in French um, because it's coming from Quebec, but then I'm going to just play it. I have the captions too. But this is on a talk show called No Ovo, and it is from the 18th of this month. It is... The two hosts interviewing a brother and sister who the sister, I believe, is 12 years old. The boy is 10 years old. And um, this is what they had to say. You won't. I'm just going to play it. We'll just go with it. On devrait euh, appeler la police. Ouh, oui, oui. oui. S'ils n'ont pas leur vaccin, ça peut mettre beaucoup de personnes en danger. Fait comme le gouvernement est en train de faire en ce moment, il faut leur couper petite chose à petite jusqu'à temps qu'ils qu se tannent et qu'ils se fassent vacciner. En tout cas, vous avez, on a des futurs politiciens à côté de nous. <rire> Merci. All right. So here's what, here's what just happened, Chisholm. On this show, no, no ovo, coming out of Quebec, uh, I'm going to translate it because it's important. This is going all the way back. This is 1984 stuff. Says The lady says, are you vaccinated? The girl who's 12 says, yes, we both have one dose. She says, are you in favor of mandatory vaccine? Yes, the boy says. It looks like the mom who's a beached whale herself says, it looks like I drilled them. What should we do with the people who don't want the vaccine? The 10-year-old boy said, we should call the police. Everyone applauds. Yes, yes. And the girl says, if they don't have the vaccine, it can make danger for a lot of people so like what the government does right now we should cut everything from them little by little until they summit and get vaccinated everyone applauds and then the lady host says it looks like we have our future politicians right here that's on a that's on a provincial news talk show in quebec on january 18th 2022 watching that all i did was just get chills took me straight back to 1984 and what they said call the police on people that aren't vaccinated sick 
sick. I've seen it. They were clear. It's funny that the mom just goes ahead and admits that she had, you know, trained them. She looks like Whoopi, by the way. Really, she straight up admits it. Like you know, that that sort of thing is the kind of thing that uh, Curry and Dvorak on No Agenda love to point out. Like they love to pull. Like when uh, Bill Gates is lying through his teeth, he'll chuckle. Right? He'll (laughs) like this uncontrollable little laugh. It's a tell, right? If you're a poker player, you would know for sure that son of a bitch is bluffing, right? The way those kids spoke, you could hear it. It was scripted. And the mom couldn't help but try to deflect it by like, oh, it almost sounds like I, I, I drilled them for this. Right. No, it definitely sounds like you drilled them for this. And the fact that you acknowledge that proves that you did. Yeah. Psychopaths. And why would that mom be so pro-vaccine? Well, it's because she weighs 250 pounds and she's afraid. Because she's unhealthy. Yeah. I mean, I hate to keep harping on people's weight, but, you know, if you're fat, you might die of COVID. Your odds are much greater than someone who isn't fat. Facts don't care about your feelings. Sorry. Sorry, fat people. I I love you too, but, you know, take care of yourself. Might not be so afraid of the cold. Um. You don't even have to be afraid of the Decepticon cold. It's not even killing fatties. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Okay. Uh, Fat shaming is alive and well on this. Uh, But that's nothing new for us. And I am uh, not even I'm not a skinny person. So but you know, I did yesterday. I told you my Achilles is killing me. I got tendonitis. I played basketball for three hours with high school kids and uh, they wore my ass out. Uh, Quebec father, another story out of God, Quebec is like, it's like the Canada version of California. Uh, lots of gold for us coming out of Quebec. Quebec father lost his rights to see his 12 year old child after a judge ruled, quote, it would not be in the child's best interest to have contact with their father if he's not vaccinated and is opposed to the health measures in the current epidemiological context. A judge ruled, took his visitation rights away from his kids because he's not vaccinated. (sighs) That's all he's got is. (laughs) Here's the best part. You know why? You know why the judge did this? Can we? We've said the C word on the show quite a few times. And there's a pantheon of them. Hillary, the squad, Pelosi. And now this father's this guy's ex-wife because she's the one that sent screenshots or gave them to the judge saying that this guy is an (laughs) anti-vaxxer the judge used that against him yeah the mom can be added to the mount rushmore of the seas hopefully she doesn't destroy her son's heart um what so what do you have you sent me some stuff uh i don't i don't know if we've hit on we did hit on trudeau and truckers um while you're looking that up John Hopkins University released a study. This is, I sent you this article this morning, and your response was, not news. That's the Washington Times, which is basically like, uh, what, what, what did you compare it to? Well, that wasn't my point. I, mean, I said not news because that, 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 there's already been a study like six, eight, nine months ago that said that. Oh. right? But well, yeah, to, but the fact that the Washington Times reported on it and not the Post means that those who are part of the Trusted News Initiative can just ignore it. But it yeah. did come from John, John Hopkins, which yeah. I didn't realize when I sent you that. So, so it, but the, the gist of the study, and now it is all over. I mean, I was looking on social media today, and this, this study has been put out there everywhere. Uh, 
they found that lockdowns decreased COVID mortality by 0.2%, meanwhile crippling the economy, increasing suicide rates, Mm. uh, depression, um, mental health issues. And they said that in a lot of cases, they think that lockdowns increased transmission because people weren't allowed to like go outside like to a park or to the zoo or places where you weren't going to transmit the disease and instead you're gathering indoors so you can like kind of stay undetected um and you're passing COVID around so it was an interesting study uh but yeah basically saying lockdowns ineffective at fighting COVID-19 and the pandemic john hopkins is a pretty respected source it, I mean, yeah, it should have. It, it, it right, well, I say it should be uh, hosted event 201 and other similar coronavirus pandemic planning uh, simulations. So, um, just another case of why is the why is this relevant? It's just more of like, well, the more the longer this goes on, the more we know everything they've done was absolute bullshit and ineffective on every level but get your shots yep yeah um like i said I, I think that there was a similar study many many months ago i'll have to do some digging to try to track it back down but uh not surprising i'm glad they made the point even though they tried to claim a 0.2 percent effectiveness that essentially it sounds like what they're saying is um if even if we did save even 0.2%. if the lockdowns were 0.2% effective, the that was those lives saved were outweighed by the suicides and collateral drug overdoses and da, 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 da. yeah, yeah, uh, which that certainly sounds spot on. Um, trying to track down this poll since we're on COVID again. While you're doing that, I'll tell you so, another quick hit here. Uh, so this week, Jen Saki was giving her. Well, her briefing, she does it more than once a week, but um, basically in the briefing that I'm referencing, she was telling Americans to get ready for a terrible January jobs report, but she was lying through her teeth. Did you see this when she said why the job report was going to be so bad? She said that it was because many workers were out with Omicron and therefore the report would be bad. Here's the thing. When you're out with Omicron, you're just on sick leave. You're not unemployed. So she totally fudged the statistics there. Uh, Fox News called her out on it. I mean, it was like, it was mind-blowing. Like, it was like they all lost their jobs, which they didn't. They were, they were home for five days quarantining. But that's her excuse for why the jobs report will be so bad. Yeah, she's, I mean, her job is to lie, right? Yeah. Her job is to mislead and lie. A uh, poll out of Monmouth University, nationwide poll. Uh, 70% of Americans, according to the poll, agree with the, with the sentiment, quote, this was the poll question, it's time we accept that COVID is here to stay and we just need to get on with our lives. 78% agree, including 78% of those who report having gotten COVID and 65% of those who say they have not been infected. See, but sixty-five percent of those who haven't been infected. Wow, I don't. I think the main the difference, of people that I know that haven't had it yet, is I, 
maybe I can count them on one hand. Yeah, that has to be a low percentage, but it's impressive to know that even among them, fully two third, almost fully two thirds say, let's move on. You would think that those who hadn't gotten infected might still be the ones that are most like, I really don't want this thing. But they're like, okay, nobody's dying anymore. Let's let's get over this. 89% of Republicans agreed, 71% of independents, and only 47% of Democrats. Wah, wah. Mm. So 53% of Democrats in this country think that we need to keep hiding from Decepticon. Govern me harder, daddy. <sighs> One third, 34%, feels the country will get the outbreak under control and return to normal by the end of the year. In fact, more than one in four now believe a return enormously will never happen. 28%, which is up from 22%. I don't know that they're wrong. Four in you? 10 Americans report that they have had COVID. Uh, I'm worried. Four in 10 I'm worried they're ass, not wrong. Dude. Including 27% who said their infection was confirmed with a test. About one third have been vaccinated. Of people who have been vaccinated report also being infected with COVID. Ah! <laughs> about six in 10 of those who have not gotten a shot say they have been infected with the virus. Uh, I don't believe those two stats, but whatever. Uh, well, okay, but I have to call you out there because you're, you're, reading this poll like it's important but then you're saying you don't believe the stats so is it, is it well, important dude, i don't believe anything anymore okay well like yeah i'm reading it because you know but that doesn't mean that i buy it. <laughs> i don't believe anything more cable i get to pick and choose what i believe <laughs> <laughs> i do believe well over 70 percent of americans say it's time to move on yeah um i don't know dude maybe that stuff's right i don't know i mean the people who have had the shots are probably also the most likely to have been wearing three freaking masks and hiding for the last two years so maybe that part is right when you break it down oh right. speaking of masks the people who haven't gotten a shot to this point aren't the people are who have been be hiding from it. in in 95s from the government too i think those are supposed to show yeah. up at our doors too i can't wait for that yep it's gonna keep me safe meanwhile i've got uh i got my new mask from <laughs> uh minimally compliant masks.com check it out the number of oh, adults wait, wait who are you get your new t-shirt that i'm sending you sweet uh let's see it says tar and feather tyrants and it has fauci's face on it and love it start door show logo on the back love it there was something in here ah, waste well it's anyway. a good tar this is uh this is a very interesting uh and, and not very helpful set of reports or you know <laughs> set, set of statistics for for the democrats um i do think it furthers the idea that we're heading heading in the right direction in this country the more that this type of data comes out the at some point the democratic party and then their media talk talking heads will just have to continue what they're doing which is uh let the veil slip so um we're in february now chisholm which means there's only about a month left of the winter of death that where none of us were supposed to live through according to biden <laughs> the winter of death <laughs> dark i feel great by the way uh, i think, I think uh, one of those uh, other simulations might have been called operation dark winter so where do you think you got that phrase <clears throat> um let me look another thing up so another my, my only you... other news point go ahead um was about this there was a reuters article yesterday or maybe the day before that said um I don't have my phone handy. Do you have Reuters issues? Major correction. There we go. 
Reuters, Reuters issued a serious correction to. So this is actually from MSN, but it's about what I was getting at. Reuters issued a serious correction to a report that claimed ivermectin was found to be effective in treating the Omicron variant of COVID. <laughs> Reuters initially reported early Monday, that would be the 31st, that a Japanese pharmaceutical company had found ivermectin, an antiparasitic oh, yeah. drug that has been touted as a treatment for COVID but has not been approved by the FDA, effective against the virus in phase three trial. The headline they done their trials at the right time, like actually giving it to people right right when they got infected right instead of the fauci trials where they gave it to people 10 days post covid infection they were clearly doing it right <laughs> based on what was <laughs> oh that guy's on a ventilator let's give him some ivermectin and see if it works we'll the headline a legit trial the headline and lead which they spelled l-e-d-e i don't know if that's some funky british way of spelling lead or huh. uh, just a uh, typical of MSNBC's fine journalists oh, or MSN at MSNBC. The headline and lead of the original report, report which like uh, every Reuters story was syndicated on other major outlets around the world, read as follows. Japan's Kawa, Koa, K-O-W-A, I guess that's the company, says ivermectin, ivermectin effective against Omicron in phase three trial. Japanese oh. trading and pharmaceutical company Kawa said on Monday, antiparasitic drug ivermectin has been found effective for treating the Omicron variant. In a correction, Reuters noted the drug was not found effective in phase three clinical trials, but had an antiviral effect against Omicron in, quote, non-clinical research. Is that an oxymoron that you just said right there? Like, they said it's not effective, but it is effective against viral loads. Oh, I don't understand. For a Reuters sp spokesman, the original Reuters story misstated that ivermectin was, quote, effective against Omicron in phase three clinical trials, which are conducted in humans. Well, said, we corrected this to clarify it had an antiviral effect against Omicron, and it was shown in joint non-clinical research. After being made aware of this error, we corrected our story immediately. So uh, I found that hilarious and awesome. Um, I would love to know how they could have misstated things so badly. Because it's not, it is, it, you know, it, it is true that you can't claim somebody did a phase three clinical trial, human clinical trial that found a drug effective against a virus and treating, you know, effective as treating a virus. If it, what they actually did was some more animal testing or in vitro, meaning Petri dish testing mm -hmm. against that variant, because even the CDC, even the NIH admits and has for two years that ivermectin will stop viral replication of even the OG COVID in a petri dish the question has always been can that translate to stopping it and therefore keeping people from getting sick and dying from covid in a human body um, I, you know what i would say is worth a shot a hundred percent it's worth not a shot. not that shot been my I mean, point since shot forever. living <laughs> it's been mccullough's point since forever anyway uh, I, I just it, hilarious. They had to immediately backtrack and be like, "Oh wait, wait, wait! No, all we're saying is that it's effective as an antiviral." So well, it, hook me up. Hook me up. Hook me up. It's uh, an antiviral, huh? Effective against Omicron. Oh, and also against Delta and the original. Uh, so hook me up. Right. Oh, and it's been dosed four and a half billion times, and there's been twenty-eight severe adverse reactions ever. Right. Hooked so one other thing you sent me was uh, coming out of uh, New Hampshire. If you want to take that and run with it. Man, I didn't get a chance to really look into it. Did okay. you? Uh, I just flipped it. Yeah, you. yeah, yeah. So 
Um, let me let me just pull it up. But uh, I read it. It was certainly interesting. Um, headline. This is from the Gateway Pundit. New Hampshire lawmakers propose bill that will allow pharmacists to administer ivermectin without a prescription. Right. I doubt that'll get passed in New Hampshire, Chisholm. Well, I don't know, dude. New Hampshire is kind of unique. Yeah, Hampshire is kind of unique. But New Hampshire is the place where the governor is like damn near a dictator. He has more power than any governor in the. Oh, country. he. Yeah, I guess he could. And so he could basically just say, "No, we're not doing that." You know, he's yeah. a freaking Phil Phil Murphy. I think is his name. I he's drawn my ire many times because he did away with their black bear season, even though they have the densest black bear uh, black bear population per capita. In the country, but no black bear hunting. Uh, so yeah, I hate that guy. It's on Newsweek. Here's another. Yeah, bill. I mean, I guess at this point it's just a bill, bill. Right, uh, but it's progress. Right. The fact that it's been introduced in a blue state, uh, which you know what reality should be that pharmacists should just give it to you if you ask for it anyway. It's like a dollar per dose. So, but hey, no one gets rich off that. Um. Oh, one other soundbite I had, and when you brought up MSNBC a minute ago, it, it made me think of it, and I sent it to you earlier today, and you were like, yeah, I want to talk about that, so I'm going to play it. Uh, this is, her name is Amy Therese of MSNBC. Um, she is an African-American woman. Why is that important? Well, because we know uh, the messaging from BLM certainly destroy the nuclear family unit, and what she has to say would only go to help further that narrative. Here we go. We have never invested as much in public education as we should have because we've always had kind of a private notion of children. Your kid is yours and totally your responsibility. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. So part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to whole communities. Once it's everybody's responsibility and not just the households, then we start making better investments. Let me tell you something, Chisholm. My kid is not my neighbor's kid. I don't give a shit what my neighbor is doing or how they're raising their kid. The only time that I would ever say that your kid is anyone else's but yourself is if you're raising them in the church and you make that commitment to say we are we are actively saying that we're letting the church help raise our kids because these are our beliefs. Now, uh, she's saying that basically the community, i.e. the public school district, should be the one helping to raise your kiddo. Yeah, I'm sources and surprising. I, I've always liked the phrase and the notion of it takes a village, right? We all it should be does, willing but to your family correct in your church or the village. Well, the state most certainly is not the village. To your point, right? Yeah. Absolutely, right. Uh, your your neighbors, you know, I, if my kids are doing something stupid and about to get hit by a car, I damn sure want my neighbors to do sure. whatever the hell it takes to stop them, even screaming at them and smacking them upside the head if that's what it takes. The to your point, when they use phrases, but when they say your kids are not just your kids, yes, they most certainly are. We can all agree to help, quote, collectively look after it and raise kids. But at the end of the day, she pretty clearly states it, it's no longer mostly on us as parents, right? Yeah. Well, to and she point, says we've spent state so much money have, on public education. Right, that the state should that the collective, and that anytime they're using the word collective, 
that translates directly in Newspeak to Kami, mm-hmm. right? The com, you know, the party, right? Yeah. The collective owns the kids. No, they don't. No, they don't. No, 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 no. no. So anyway, yeah, she's terrible. Yeah. It goes right back to what we've said all along. Uh, it goes straight back to Marx. <laughs> the government wants yep. your children. Um, Kamala to the Supreme Court. Have you heard of that? I've heard it get pretty roundly slapped down. In fact, they floated a name out the other day. So unfortunately, that's uh, not a reality. Wouldn't that be crazy, though, if they were like, we got to get this lady out of here. So Dude, I guarantee so that at least once after Breyer retired, it was floated. There was an allegation from alleged insiders that they actually asked Kamala about it, and she said no. Um, somebody thought about it and, and had at least the briefest of discussions. Like, can we get rid of this broad <laughs> and stick her on the court? She's a hardcore lefty. So that's the kind of justice we want. She's, and she's black, and you, you know, know and if, and if Sotomayor that? qualifies, then this dumbass certainly, certainly can, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah, yeah. Affirmative action would have worked twice for her. If that would have been the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Okay, last thing I have, and you and I disagreed about this in in our little text message, but Joe Rogan coming out. See my follow up though. Let's just go with it. it. Yeah. Um, So he responded to Neil Young and Joni Mitchell and some other morons saying that he's spreading misinformation, and we don't want our music on Spotify if they're gonna have Joe Rogan's podcast on there. So Spotify was like, okay, goodbye, Neil Young. You're nothing. Joe Rogan's the largest, uh, has the largest platform in the world, and we don't care. Goodbye. So he was quiet for a little while. Although I did hear, I did hear that Rogan came out in one of his stand-up routines this past weekend. That he he came out to rocking in the free world. <laughs> so a little troll there. Um, but Joe came out and said, Spotify said they're going to start putting labels on stuff. And Joe said he thinks that's a good idea or agreed with it. I didn't like hearing that come out of his mouth because in my opinion, and I'm not wrong. I'll just tell you right now. I'm not wrong. When you start labeling stuff, that's you sticking your foot through the door just a little bit on censorship because what is, what is the next thing? Well, okay. Now we're just going to take that off. You don't It doesn't need, it doesn't require a label. It's free thought. It's free speech. Doesn't need a, Quotation mark, misinformation, possible misinformation label here. And so while I've been a huge fan of everything Joe has done here over the last year as far as being a beacon for free thought, free ideas, free speech, that was disappointing to me. It was almost like a mea culpa where he was like, maybe pandering a little bit to apologize to Spotify for bringing all this negative publicity on them. Your thoughts? I don't see Joe in the wrong here is my first thought. Um, Do you disagree with the fact or my thought that that is the beginning of censorship on, on podcasts? Yes. After further review from your text, I do agree. That is the first nudge to get the ball down rolling downhill. So that's where I'm sort of, of two minds about it. Um, they are taking him down. Uh, I've gone and checked those particular McCullough and Malone interviews, which I know are going to carry the label and that you don't see them on 
Spotify's playlist, but I guess they spliced it in at the. Have you actually checked it out? No, I haven't. See, I haven't either, and we should do that before next week and, and maybe pick back up here as we roll into that conversation. But what he said in the Instagram video, which they also he did the same talk as a standalone Sunday podcast, a nine minute podcast, which is he's never done before. That's in his feed right now. Mm-hmm. He starts off by explaining McCullough and Malone's credentials. Right. And why he had them on because of their stellar credentials, including very specifically pointing out that Malone has nine patents to his name for the mRNA vaccine technology. Um, very defiantly saying those things, right? Yeah. Um, but then did, yes, acknowledge, I got no, you know, I'm okay. I, I agree or however you put it with the label. I just, I guess what I'm saying is I want to see the label. What he said in the talk in, the, in his little nine minute deal was the label will say the nuts and bolts and sort of thrust of it will be consult your physician and that seems fair when you're talking specifically about the the you know medical controversy of our age okay well let me ask you this are they going to put that same disclaimer on podcasts uh, featuring guests from the naih or the who because i doubt they are and that's where the problem is that's fair 100 percent. that's fair I I'm with you. Very fair. Um, like I said, I, after your text, I kind of, I don't know, I, dude, you were right about backcountry hunters and anglers. Yeah. Uh, I guess I was right about Crenshaw. I was the one who started pushing that Dan Crenshaw is a rhino first. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I can't, I can't give up on Joe Rogan, dude. <laughs> I believe so sincerely that that man, uh, honestly, uh, and there may be some people who call this blasphemous, but the Bible is full of imperfect and, and sometimes downright bad guys like Samson and like Jacob early on, who God still chose to be prophets to, you know, to, to, to lead people. No, King David right? had a dude killed so he could marry his wife. Right, but that was the beginning of King David's fall, but to your point, right? Every single person in the Old Testament is severely flawed. Um, Human. Father Abraham lied to the authorities about his wife, right? And that's a very prominent story in the book. My point is, Samson's probably the best example, right? This warrior who's drunk all the time, womanizer, yet, you know, is this reluctant prophet that has to step up and, and, and adopt this mantle of, you know, you know, God, God warrior for, for, for God. I, I can't, I can't give up on Joe Rogan over this one thing. I see your point. It should apply to any talk of this stuff. If you're going to apply it to those who. The, the only difference I'll say is that it seems like those people in the Bible were Christians. Joe Rogan is, I think, atheist. I don't know what, what his. He yeah, he's basically atheist slash agnostic, Christian, dude. But so. do you think that God? I'm not saying God him. isn't using him because he's clearly right. is um, in 2021 and 2022. I would um, contend he has been for longer than that, man. Sure. He's been bringing people on, uh, even Christians, you know, to say things that counter these official, you know, postmodern socialist narratives for a long time, right? Um, mm-hmm. 
again, that's why, for I us, the, that's why I point lived, out he's imperfect, right? He lived in California. I think that was the beginning of the... But, dude, here's another way of saying it. How do you reach, if you're God... The masses? That's right. The, the masses who have left you behind, right? Are you going to reach them with the Pope? Are you going to reach them with a person who's been as near perfect as the possible? Pope who for... won't associate with people unless they're vaccinated? Yeah. <laughs> That's real Christian. But, but I'm just saying, like, what's more effective at reaching the lost sheep? Someone who himself is maybe still very much somewhat lost from a spiritual perspective mm -hmm. or somebody who's had it all figured out most of their life. Right. Both can be effective, but I do think, you know, I feel the same way about Jordan Peterson. Jordan Peterson won't admit whether he believes in God or not. He takes this scholarly academic scientific perspective on the stories of the Bible. Yet by doing so, he has converted people by the thousands and thousands and thousands because they finally can read the Bible in a way they can rectify with science. Mm -hmm. Now, some of our listeners, one in particular, doesn't believe that that's uh, useful and believes that that's misleading people to consider like the story of Genesis, like God's poetic way of explaining the wondrous creation that he, he blessed us with. Right. Um, I disagree with him, but I would at least ask that he consider the idea that because a friend of mine made this point to me. Oh, it's more than I one. pointed out. I mean, my, my brother is the same way, not my woke brother, uh, <laughs> the other one. Okay. I didn't know that. Um, and because uh, I, mean, when I talked about, it, I asked him like, what are your thoughts on interpreting the Bible as hundred percent literal? And he's like, that's, that's what I believe. But he's like, but I, but I don't fault you for trying to reconcile science and creation. Okay, well, that's a very different take than the one I was just referencing, but let's not pick on right. anybody, right? I had a friend from our church on a nice long car ride that I was introducing to Peterson's concepts. Mm -hmm. And first of all, this isn't Jordan Peterson's concepts. Jews themselves don't believe that Genesis is a history book, by a, as in so far as factual history book. Jews acknowledge that it's God's way of explaining to ancient man something that you couldn't put down in a book you could carry, right? The book would be too big, right? And it's, it's, it's a way of revelation, revealing his intent, revealing his heart for us through poetry, which can be more meaningful and certainly have more application in day-to-day -day life than telling somebody a scientific history. Either way, what I pointed about Peterson is, his question to me was, is that enough to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? And I said, probably not. But if it gets you on a path, because you weren't able to reconcile the seven days, reconcile the seven days of creation with science class, but that one insight gets you on a path to looking at your Bible every day and praying to God and lets you develop a personal relationship. Isn't that worthwhile? And he was like, yeah, absolutely. Right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, getting back to the point, I'm not, you know, Rogan is doing spiritual warfare, whether he knows it and accepts it or not. He is because he's fighting back against evil everywhere. And by all accounts, he's a really good person who really cares about human, human beings, right? I 100% I agree with that. Yeah. yeah. I think so, just from listening to the handful of podcasts, and you've listened to hundreds, I have not. Yeah. I've listened to maybe 10. Yeah. Uh, but you can tell that he's genuine, and he, and he cares about society and humanity. Deeply. And I don't agree with his take on everything. 
Yeah. I can't stand it when he talks about being left because the reality is if you listen to the man, he's not a leftist. Not even he's close. too afraid to admit that he's. Well, he's somewhat stuck in an old dichotomy, right? When he thinks like of the Bill left, Moore. he thinks of, you know, he thinks of Democrats from the 70s, 80s and 90s, not of today's Democrats that have been brainwashed by this postmodern. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Ran him out of yeah. California to Texas where he says, y'all don't come over here and screw this up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so, yeah. I, to wrap some of that almost sounds like Joe, I just wish he wouldn't have agreed with the them saying they're going to put a, a label on things. Well, let's just watch. Let's let's listen to the next few episodes and see how he continues to address it. Because if he if he all of a sudden he stops, the other thing he said was he would bring on more counterpoint voices. Sort of okay. If he's going to bring on a Malone, then he'll bring on somebody else. But then if he was he quick to point that, out. Go ahead. I hope he rails him. <laughs> He will look what he did to Sanjay Gupta, dude. He turned that guy he, into a, he turned Sanjay Gu, Gupta into a pile of goo. Yeah, Sanjay Goo. <laughs> Love that one. Well done, well done. Uh, all right. But anyway, he, he's not wrong. Like he had this guy Osterholm on, who was like the one that was predicting we'd have five million people die from COVID in April of 2020, right? He accidentally stumbled right into the fear mongering and has kind of been trying to put the genie back in the bottle ever since. So he pointed that out in his nine minute rant. He's like, don't act like, don't, y'all don't think I haven't been doing that. But, you know, for me to play McCullough and Malone, at, at, you know, et cetera, et cetera, or in a few weeks, well, you stretch, know what? It's time sensitive. So I'm glad he did. All it. he's saying is he'll try to do a better job of mixing in a little bit from both sides rather than, you know, okay. all from one. But whatever. why, why does he, it's his show. He shouldn't feel obligated to do that. Man, because, and he says this, dude, he feels a tremendous responsibility because he has the biggest media platform in the history of man. He feels a responsibility to humanity because nobody else can do and or is, or is even trying to do what he does. And certainly no one else really can because he's so good at this craft he has sort of created from his on his own, right? Like I've listened to other guys who do two and three hour shows. There's a lot to learn. Nobody does it like Joe. Right. And that's why he's got the biggest show of all time. He really, he genuinely says it all the time. He's like, I can't think about the fact that I get 11 million downloads an episode because when I do it, freaks me the F out. Yeah. It's a tremendous burden that he carries. So I can't blame him for then, therefore, wanting to. I mean, dude, there are plenty of doctors in this country like yours who would just assume have him, you know, canceled. So that side has to be acknowledged. Now, if I could sit down with Joe and talk about that, I'd say, Joe, you don't necessarily have to bring that balance in your show because you're bringing the balance by doing what you're doing because everybody else has got those folks covered, mm -hmm. right? But to your point, if he brings on somebody who's going to challenge the Malones and, and McCulloughs, do not expect that man to roll over. Expect him to be ready, and he, then that dude he brings on better damn sure be ready to go at it with him. So I emailed his team this week. Because I recently got canceled off of Instagram, yeah, uh, with 145,000 followers for infractions that were that don't hold water. All of them were for inciting either violence, coordinating harm, or promoting crime, and the violations were hunting or or wildlife. Like none of it. Oh, a static picture of my deer hunting rifle next to a whitetail rub a big buck made, and I said, I hope it, I hope it to run into the guy that made this rub. Violence taken down the last straw that uh, on Friday, I had a post deleted of a deer fighting a dead deer. A hunter had shot this big buck. 
as animals will do. And you and I have witnessed in the turkey woods before. You shoot a turkey, here comes some other ones trying to pick a fight with the dead one, trying to really whoop its ass. So that's this buck comes in, tries to fight the dead one. And all I said in the comments was um, the the person that sent it to me, I forget their name, hammered this big buck, and here, here came a little buck in to try to whip its lifeless ass or body or something like that. Violence, uh, coordinating harm, promoting crime, gone. Didn't even have the opportunity to appeal it. Saturday morning, I wake up and my account's been disabled. So I've got SCI's legal team on it, a bunch of Sweet. other people that are, are in the industry. And I, I don't honestly care. Like, I don't mind being the guinea pig. It's going to be an interesting case study to see if the outdoor community rallies. And like, because I won't be the first domino. I mean, I, I won't be the last domino to fall. But they're going to keep doing it. Um, so we'll see what happens. But I did talk to a guy that used to work with Facebook. And he said, he asked how many followers I had. And he's actually someone that helped me get my Facebook account back when it got hacked like four years ago. Uh, and he was, and I told him 145,000. He said, well, the good news for you is I have not seen a page with over a hundred thousand followers get canceled and not get brought back up. Nice. So that, that seems to be the magic number, but yeah. So I sent Joe's team all this information and, you know, the included the violations and stuff just because Joe is a hunter and it seems like they're yeah, intent on canceling anti-cancel culture. Yeah. Hunting. So we'll see. I doubt they'll get back to me, but I did throw it out there. Um, and we'll see what Joe does going forward and, and how Spotify handles it with these labels so we'll uh we'll continue to monitor that we're gonna wrap it up with the meme of the week it's time for the meme of the week brought to you by Pfizer. it is a bearded man dressed as a woman and it's a split screen it's clearly a conversation between two people the other guy is a man with a beard not pretending to be a woman and uh the caption from the bearded woman man it says, we demand Biden appoint a black woman SCOTUS. And the other guy says, what is a woman? <laughs> nice. You here, you got to just see the, the picture because it'll, it'll. I think I did see it, but I can't. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a, yeah, it's not a bad looking man, woman, right? Matt Walsh. Yeah. yeah. Matt Walsh. Yeah. Yeah. All right. We got to get, uh, that's going to do it for episode 64 of justified pursuit for chisholm cook i'm cable smith we will see you guys next week if you end up on rogan i'm gonna be so freaking jealous i'll go stand it